Jesus, we thank you that you came to bring us peace, that we can experience that as we walk in your presence, as we live the life that you've called us to live, Lord. We thank you that you came to make that all available and all possible through a relationship with you. We're so grateful. You are so wonderful. We're so thankful we can worship you. We can be in this place together doing what you've created us to do, which is bringing you honor and glory today, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this time and this space. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Thank you so much for being here. Merry Christmas to you guys. This is Christmas Eve. We're a day away. It's an exciting time. It is just wonderful to be here with you to share uh, what God has placed on my heart for us as a church today. And I am so blessed to be able to have this opportunity today. For those of you who don't know me, I'm John. I'm the assistant pastor here. And uh, maybe if you guys could think back with me for a minute to your childhood Christmases, okay? And I'm sure we've all had different kinds of experiences, but I want to share with you uh, part of mine and uh, not necessarily the most positive of one. Again, I had many great positive Christmases, but, you know, there was a specific one where I remember I communicated very clearly a specific gift that I wanted for Christmas. Maybe some of you guys can relate to that. You know, there's something you wanted. You left hints around you. Sometimes you even bluntly said, this is the top of my list. Like, if you get me nothing else, this is what I want. And you communicated it to your parents. You let them know. And so, uh, and then all of a sudden, you see a box under your Christmas tree that looks just like it. You do the shake test. You, you weigh it. It feels like it. It looks like it. Everything looks perfect. It's like, oh, they got it for me. This is awesome. Then Christmas morning rolls around, and that's the gift you go to first. You grab it. You're like, oh, I'm so excited. You open it up, and to your dismay, that's not what you expected it to be, right? So then dread and panic floods you, and it's like, okay, maybe it's packaged as something else. They want to surprise me, so they knew I would think this was it, so they did it as something else. You rip through the next gift, and it's like, oh, no. And then you're getting down the row of gifts, and it's not what you asked for. It's not what you expected or wanted. Right? So maybe that wasn't your experience, but I'm sure in life you've experienced some kind of disappointment like that, right? Because disappointment is part of the human experience. We all have disappointment happen in our lives to us in different ways. So I'm sure you can relate to that feeling of that. So it, at, like we know, it's Christmas Eve today. I want to open up with a, a passage of Scripture, and then we're coming back to this feeling in just a second of disappointment and like, God, what are you up to? Because I think in sometimes in our Christian walk even too, we experience this. We think, God, you're doing something. You're, you're going to, like, you're doing such cool stuff, and it's going to work out this way. And then we get journeying down our walk with God, and it doesn't unfold exactly as we expect. And maybe you're feeling disappointed. Maybe you're experiencing some, some uh, drama in your life that's like, God, I don't get what you're up to. So let's jump into a, a very Christmas passage here, and we're going to look at Luke, starting at chapter 2. All right? And so this, we're going to start at verse 8, and it says this, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they turned, they hurried off, sorry, and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherd said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Awesome story, right? Drama filled, it's like the angels show up, the shepherds respond to it, go and check out what the angels told them to see. They see it exactly as the angels say. They behold Jesus, who's the Messiah, the promised one, the Savior of the world, the one that's going to bring peace to them, which for them in this season of life felt and dreamed a lot like it was going to be deliverance from Rome that they could worship the way they, were, they wanted to worship, that they wouldn't be oppressed, that there would be prosperity in their land, there would be freedom. And it's an amazing, amazing promise. And they rejoice. They share it with everybody. Everybody's just filled with awe and wonder about this. And it's an amazing, amazing moment. And I think for many of us, this is very similar to the moment we experience that when we ask Jesus into our hearts, when we invite him into our life, it's this awe and wonder and like, wow, the potential is amazing. The Messiah, the Savior is here with me now. I don't have to do this alone. I've got somebody to walk through life with. And it's this amazing, powerful experience that we have, just like the shepherds had. But it's interesting because decades go by before they experienced the fulfillment of the Messiah's work. Much like in our lives, we, we get a taste of it, and God's doing a work, make no mistake, God is doing a work in us every day that we're walking with him. But it's not necessarily what we expected. Like the shepherds, they're like, okay, the Messiah's here. Let's get on with this, Right? I imagine probably they were like, okay, let's let him get to a teenager or maybe an adult. Once he hits 20, maybe we'll be there. But Jesus doesn't even do his first miracle until he's 30 years old. Literally decades go by. And I wonder if there's some of us as Christians that as we walk with God, we experience some disappointment in our lives. Whether it's a loved one gets ill, gets sick, there's some hardship, some financial struggle, some different things that come up in our lives, and we're like, God, what is going on? I thought when I turned to follow you, you were the Messiah, the Savior that was going to make my life all good, that I'm not going to experience these hardships, these trials, these difficult things. I mentioned to you uh, my, my Christmas story from years ago, and Overall, I, I was very blessed as a kid. I, I had a, a very good life, a, a happy home, the whole deal. But there were some disappointments along the road too. You know, some things that happened. And, and I gave my life to God very young. And it, it was funny because when I had my salvation experience, uh, an individual was speaking on a platform like this and saying, God wants to not only be your savior, but your friend as well. And I remember bowing my head and saying, God, is this true? 
because I knew a lot about God, but that was new to me. I, I, that aspect of having a relationship with him. And before I could even get the words out, of, I heard a voice speak to me that said, John, I have an amazing plan for your life if you'll do it my way. And, and so I got excited. I looked around to see, is somebody talking to me here? But it was just God speaking to me. And so turned my life over to him. I started living for him. God was doing amazing things in it. And then I hit a couple seasons in my life that didn't feel so amazing. And I remember I, I, I went to God in prayer and I said, God, I signed up for amazing. You told me you had amazing things for me. That's what I signed up for. And do you know what God spoke to me in that moment? You're probably not going to like it because I didn't like it in the moment either. But he said, I'm not done yet. He said, I'm not done writing your story yet. I am still working on you. I'm still developing you. I'm still bringing the amazing in the end. And he has amazing things for you because he doesn't show favoritism. And this is the powerful message of Christmas is that God loves each and every person equally. He came and died for you as much as he died for me. And he has a plan and a purpose for your life and he wants to do amazing things in it. But if you're not signed up for his plan, you can't experience the amazing things that he has for you. And please understand, this isn't a scam. God is doing amazing, but sometimes to get to amazing... You have to go through some hardship. You have to go through some struggle. You have to work at it. You have to continue to lean and trust in him. And he'll bring about the amazing for you. And even right now, I, I want to kind of pause the message as I'm going through here. And I want to give opportunity because I don't know everybody in this room. Maybe you're here and you haven't asked Jesus in your life yet. You haven't begun a relationship with him. You, you heard about it. You feel like, hey, yeah, I, I know about God, but I didn't know he wanted to be my friend. I didn't know he wanted to walk with me every step of the way. So right now, I just want to ask that everybody bow their heads and close their eyes. and We'll get back to the message in a moment, but I just feel this is a, 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 such an important thing. This is what we are all about here at Reach Out Church, is individuals having a relationship with God and being able to experience him in a real and personal way. So if you're here today and you're saying, I haven't started that relationship with God. I just ask that you raise your hand so I can see it. We're going to walk through a prayer together. I'm not going to draw you to the front. All right, I see those hands. Thank you. Anybody else? Thank you. I see those hands. Thank you so much, guys, for responding to God's call. Because maybe you're here and your heart's pounding, and you're wondering what's going on with that. That's probably the Holy Spirit drawing you to himself, saying, I want a relationship with you. So again, with every head bowed, I just invite each and every person here, just repeat after me, and we're going to uh, go through a quick prayer and invite Jesus into our lives. So, Lord Jesus, I know I have made mistakes and am a sinner. And I thank you that you came to save me from my sin. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the grave to deliver me from my sin. I thank you for it, and I give you my life today. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys so much. I, yes, praise God. Amen. This is what we're all about. For those who raise their hands, please come and see me after the service. I would love to walk through the next steps with you of 
how you can continue to grow in your relationship with God, because this is a huge decision you just made. Probably the best decision you'll ever make in your life, to invite Jesus into that relationship. So thank you for doing that. God's got amazing things for you. This is exciting. All right. So we've all been in that place where we've experienced disappointment. And we're, we're saying, okay, God, I signed up for amazing. Why isn't this amazing right now? And I can sense that the shepherds experienced this as well, right? The Messiah shows up, years go by, decades go by. They're like, Jesus, what is he doing? Why is he in hiding? Why is he nowhere to be found? Why has he not brought about what we've expected yet? And the answer to that is because God wasn't done yet. God was still writing the story just as he is in your life and in my life. He's still writing our story. He's still setting up all the pieces for the amazing work he wants to do in and through you. But there's a role we play in this. And as I was studying, God just focused this scripture into my heart and into my mind. And this has been a theme scripture over the last few years for me. But I believe you're going to be blessed by it. And, and I can tell you in honesty, I believe God's putting his finger on this for us as a church, for us as individuals here today. And it says this. This is Galatians starting at verse 7 of chapter 6. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. All right. Doesn't feel very Christmassy, right? Now we're talking about reaping and sowing, but I think this all points back to the main concept of what we're talking about. So hang in there with me. God just wouldn't let me go on this, so I have to, I'm compelled to speak on this, okay? Three main points out of this passage. The first one, and this is a hard reality, a hard truth that we have to embrace if we're going to receive what God has for us, and it's this, it's you always reap what you sow. It's a principle, it's a law, and this is positive, or it can be negative as well. If you continuously sow bad seed, you are going to get a bad harvest. There's no escaping it. The illustration I go to with this principle often is the idea of forgiveness, right? Because Jesus tells us in his word to act countercultural. Right? He says, the world says, get even with your enemies, to hold your grudges against them and all of that. You know, make them hurt more than they hurt you. But Jesus taught us to forgive. And then we have this tension within us, right? When somebody hurts us and wrongs us, and, and we convince ourselves, they don't deserve my forgiveness. They don't deserve me letting this go because you don't understand what they did to me. And you're right, I, I don't know your story. I don't know your situation. And in a lot of ways, they don't deserve it. But neither did we deserve the forgiveness that Jesus gave to us. And he tells us to do likewise. He tells us to forgive others as well. And this is the reality that we're called to live in in our lives. And we have to do this. Are we going to sow good seed? Or are we going to sow bad seed? Are we going to do it God's way or do it our way? Because every action we do is sowing a seed. And that's how you need to think about this. And we, when we act in accordance with God's word and God's will, we're sowing good seed. When we act in accordance to our flesh, what we want to do, what we feel like doing versus doing it God's way, 
we're sowing bad seed. And you will reap a harvest regardless of the seed you sow. So, sow good seed. It's like Moses, you know, in the Old Testament, he, he puts uh, good choices and negative choices in front of the Israelites. And he says, choose life so that you can live. And it's the same thing up to us today is we can choose to live God's way and receive the good that he has for us if we'll do it his way. That's the caveat is we got to do it God's way if we want to reap the good harvest that he has for us. Because again, we're talking about sowing and reaping here. So the, the farming illustration is planting seeds and getting a harvest. And it's an, a physical illustration to show us the spiritual truth of how our lives work. So you will always reap what you sow. So be selective about what you sow. Sow good seed. Don't just fall victim to how you naturally are, but do it God's way. Be conformed to the image of Christ in how you live. <clears throat> All right, point number two out of this. Perseverance is required to receive the harvest. The end of that verse, uh, verse 9 of chapter 6, you could even throw that up again if you'd like to, the uh, Galatians 6, 9. And it says, you will reap a harvest in due season if you don't give up. I wonder how many harvests were out there, how many times we were right on the precipice of experiencing God's breakthrough for our lives. We said, this is too hard, I'm walking away. And we abandoned it. We stopped doing the good things that God called us to do. We stopped doing the hard work of doing it God's way rather than our own way. And then we missed out on seeing the great, amazing thing God wanted to do in it. Because we, we short-circuited it. We walked away. God has called us to so much more. And I encourage you, as his people, persevere in doing good. And I know it's hard at times. Just as we experience those disappointments, we ask ourselves these questions. If you're like me, you kind of get very introspective and say, okay, what am I doing wrong that's causing this issue? What, that makes it seem like God's not doing amazing things. What have I done that's wrong? God's saying, just persevere. I'm not done yet. Keep doing the good I've called you to do day after day, decision after decision. Love that hard-to-love person in your family. Care for the person. I know, I'm going too far, right? But no, care for the people in your life. Do the things that God has told you to do. Do the hard work of his kingdom. And you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. Because I'm sure like you, you, like me rather, have signed up for amazing, right? We're following God because he is the one true God. He's incredible. He's amazing. The works he does are undeniable. But we have to persevere in his work if we want to see those works activated in our lives. So persevere. Continue on, even when you don't feel like it. Because that's required to receive the harvest. My third point in this too and I'm sorry, you're not going to like it, but it's patience is required to receive the harvest that he has for you. Patience, right? I know. It, I didn't want to put it there either. Believe me. It was so funny. The, the, uh, last, this last week, I was at the post office, and I'm in line, and you know this time of year the post office is just a madhouse, right? So, so I'm in line there, and I'm about third from the front, and somebody I knew actually didn't even see me in the line but walked into the, the front door of the lobby, turned and saw the line, and out loud said, nope, and turned around and walked out. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, that's how we feel, right? We hate waiting. 
We hate it. It's the worst, right? Just waiting in line, waiting. It's like, man, I don't like this. And that doesn't change when it becomes a spiritual reality either, right? We hate waiting. We're like, God, what can I do to speed this up? You know, our society is built on speed and efficiency and all this, right? So we want it to move. If it takes two minutes in the microwave, that's too long, right? You know, so we hate this. And I'm no exception to this. I don't like to wait either. But patience is literally required for us to receive the harvest. You'll see in, the, again, Galatians 6, 9, that, that main part, it says, you will reap a harvest in due season, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest if you don't give up. This speaks to the idea of planting seed, giving it time, giving it water, fertilizer, what it needs, sunshine, everything it needs to grow. But you never get a harvest the day after you plant a seed. Right? Right? I'm going to tell you something even harder to swallow with this too, and I'll illustrate it with a personal story. Is back in the beginning of this year, my wife had this uh, wild idea of turning some of our perfectly good lawns into like fields to grow produce and things like this, and on a pretty large scale. We're not just talking about a, a small little garden here. She did this on a pretty large scale. And so we got started doing that to turn some of our land in the fields, uh, and I'll tell you, at the beginning of that process, it looked like a war zone. There were, you know, the, the lawn had rolling hills. It was beautiful, very picturesque at first. And then we get the backhoe in there. We start digging holes for fence posts. We start tilling the ground. We start doing all this. And it literally w- looked like a war zone. Everything's muddy. Everything's mucky. Everything's torn all up. We're putting in you know, holes in the ground to do the, what we have to do, set up some irrigation stuff, all of these things. And it looked terrible. But then as the season went on, and we actually planted the seeds that needed to go into the ground, things started coming up, and, and there were some, some produce on there that even some people in this church even got to be blessed by too because it was out on the tables just for people to take. And it was an amazing thing because it produced far more than we could even use. And it's the same in our lives. Sometimes when God begins the work, it turns into like a war zone in our life. It's like, God, not that thing. I don't want you to move this. I don't want you to take this from me. And he's saying, let it go. Let me do my work. It's going to look worse before it looks better. But let me clean up. Let me get it prepped. Let me get it ready so that you can produce the fruit that I have called you to produce. And it's an upheaval in our lives, right? Because we're like, God, I've got things in order to a certain extent. Like, I'm uncomfortable with that. That doesn't make me feel happy. But God's saying, you need to let it go so I can make you holy. You need to give this up to me so I can do the work in you that I've called you to accomplish so that you can produce the fruit to not only bless you, but to bless those in your life as well. It was a powerful illustration when God showed me that because I I saw it unfolding in front of my eyes. And it's the same in our lives. God needs to do the work put up the fences, put up the things in our lives to to help facilitate the growth that he's going to do in our lives. And maybe you're in a season right now where it's the plowing. It's the ugly part, right? It's the the part that doesn't look good. It's like, God, what are you doing? It was fine before. He's saying, if you want the amazing I have for you, you got to let me do the work. I know I didn't like it either. I didn't like it either. But this is the reality. 
We have to submit to his will if we want the good that he has for us because he's got amazing things for you, just as he did for the shepherds, just as he did for the nation of Israel, just as he does for the whole world if they'll receive him because he came to bring us peace on Christmas and beyond Christmas, came to bring it for us so that we can experience that relationship with him and walking with him. So persevere through the process. Be patient with the growth. Allow God to do that work, to bring about the harvest, the fruit that's in your lives. And as you continue to do this, you will experience more of that peace because the upheaval can go on around you and you can say, okay, I know God's up to something. And that's what today is about, is to encourage you in that reality that God is up to something in your life. Maybe it feels chaotic. Maybe you feel disappointed with how it's unfolded up to this point. But God's not done yet. He still wants to do amazing things in and through you on Christmas and beyond Christmas this year, this coming year, the coming decades. But surrender to him. Do it his way. Put aside your agenda and say, God, I want to do it your way. Press into reading your word. Press into the relationship of spending time in prayer with him. Do the hard work that he's called you to do, implementing the principles and the practices of his word. And you will experience amazing things in your life. With that being said, as we kind of draw to a close here, there's one more passage of Scripture I want to read to you that I think helps seal this up perfectly because this is a promise right out of the Word of God that supports exactly what I'm saying, that God is not done with your story yet. And it's found in Philippians chapter 1, starting in verse 4. And it says this, In all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. God is still at work in you. He's still at work in me. And it's going to be amazing. It's going to be great when he's done writing his story. Hang in there for the story. Don't give up. Be patient, persevere, continue to press forward and lean into what he wants to do in your life. And it's going to be awesome. I want to invite you to stand to your feet here. Every time I close out a message, I invite everybody here, just as we're closing in prayer, we can close our eyes, bow our heads, but ask the Holy Spirit right now, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me through this message? Because God wants to work in your life. It's a personal relationship. It's not just about what I'm telling you, but it's what is God telling you for today. And as you ask that question, I believe God's going to reveal things to you. He's going to enlighten you. He's going to show you the, the things that he's putting his finger on that he's calling you to work on, to activate in, in your life so you can experience the fullness of what he has. So Lord Jesus, right now over your people that are gathered in this place, I speak peace. I speak hope. I speak healing. And I speak wholeness, Lord Jesus. Because that's what you came to give us. So right now, no matter what disappointment, what frustration, what they've experienced in this life, that you will reassure them that you're not done working yet. That you are for them, you're not against them. You are on their side and you've got a plan and a purpose for their lives. So help them to align with that plan and purpose that you've called them to do, Lord Jesus, so that they can experience the fullness of your peace 
I thank you for them setting this time aside to come and pursue you. And I thank you that your love never disappoints. That you are always there for us. So God, we surrender ourselves to you afresh today. Say, have your way in our lives going into this Christmas day tomorrow and beyond that, Lord Jesus. We surrender ourselves afresh. Have your way in your people as you right now are putting your finger on different areas of their lives that they need to surrender to you, that they need to change to walk in accordance to your will. Give them your strength and empowerment to accomplish that work, Lord. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is within them to accomplish the work you've called them to do. Bless them as they go. In your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. Merry Christmas to you. Thank you so much for being here. God bless you. And we do invite you to our candlelight service tonight at 530. We would love to see you there. It's going to be an awesome, awesome time. All right? God bless you guys. Have a great day.